Deuteronomy, fifth book in the Bible. Let's go back to chapter 6. So all of that first, all that bit, all written by Moses. Fair old chunk, isn't it? Prolific guy. Right. So, Deuteronomy chapter 6. Love the Lord your God. Starting in verse 1. These are the commands, decrees and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess so that you, your children and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear Israel and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. When the Lord your God brings you into the land he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, to give you a land with large flourishing cities that you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. Then, when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Fear the Lord your God, serve him only, and take your oaths in his name. Do not follow other gods, the gods of the people around you. For the Lord your God is among you, is a jealous God, and his anger will burn against you, and he will destroy you from the face of the land. Do not put the Lord your God to the test, as you did at Massa. Be sure to keep the commands of the Lord your God and the stipulations and decrees he has given you. Do what is right and good in the Lord's sight, so that he may go well with you, and you may go in and take over the good land that the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors, thrusting it out of all your enemies before you, as the Lord said. In the future, when your children ask you, what is the meaning of the stipulations, decrees and laws the Lord our God has commanded you? Tell them, we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Before our eyes, the Lord sent signs and wonders, great and terrible, on Egypt and Pharaoh and his whole household. But he brought us out from there to bring us in and give us the land that he promised on oath to our ancestors. The Lord commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear the Lord our God, so that we might always prosper and be kept alive, as is the case today. And if we are careful 
to obey all this law before the Lord our God as he commanded us that will be our righteousness. That is the word of the Lord. Amen. There's a few Anglicans whisperings in there. That's great. So, as um, Phil said, it is Deuteronomy, it is the law, but it really isn't that heavy. Because if you've lived in a lawless land, actually, you crave the law. You want a bit of law and order. If you're living in a place where everybody's a law unto themselves and does what on earth they want to do, then actually, it's not a very nice place to be. Has anybody ever played a game of football? You know, the sort, out in the park, jumpers for goalposts, and you're like, okay, let's have a game. But after a while, you suddenly realise that there's no sides to that pitch. And you get a kid who doesn't want to get tackled and doesn't want to lose the ball, and they just head on away from the other team, and they just keep going, and they keep going because they want to keep the ball. And it's not much more fun as a game anymore. And if you're a free kick or a, uh, a corner specialist, who's going to blow the whistle? When is it going to be out? And who knows whether it actually was a goal in the top left-hand corner or whether it was just over the bar. We need parameters for us to actually understand what is good and right for us to do. Are you with me? So, I hope you don't mind, I'm going to share with the use of a sporting analogy. And I know the Six Nations are just getting underway this weekend, but actually the focus is going to be wholeheartedly football. So, I know there are some of you here who will be like a real sense of joy, and the analogies will make sense. The rest of you, you might have to do a little bit of work, but bear with me. So... I'm going to tell, uh, just set a little bit of context for those of you who haven't been with us the last couple of weeks. We're talking about crossing the line. Crossing the line, if you want to think about crossing the line onto the football pitch. But for Moses and Joshua and the people of Israel, it meant crossing the River Jordan into the Promised Land. And they'd had a long time to prepare for this. So this line, this this line that they'd been up to once before and gone back, they were now ready to cross. This is a really important moment in the, the people of Israel. And Moses is giving his kind of dying word, his last speech to them as they go. And it's a little bit like a manager who, once they've crossed that line, can't really do much more about it. He's giving his final advice to his team before they step out and go it alone. And so we hear his words. Now, this is the route that they'd been on. They had been in preparation, remember, for 40 years. So they'd been on a bit of a voyage. This could have been uh, that, that voyage. We don't know for sure, but there's good uh, details there on the map. 40 years in the wilderness, reliant on Yahweh for food and water, shelter and protection, as he promised them he would. And so we come to this next stage. And I can, I can see a great parallel here between the people of Israel 
and Jesus. Because, of course, Jesus, he went to the Jordan for his baptism. And we don't know exactly where he went to fast in the wilderness for 40 days. But there's a good chance that if he was just on that east side of the Jordan, he was in almost exactly the same area, looking back to the promised land. And so you can get this parallel. The people of God, 40 years wandering in the desert. Jesus, 40 days fasting in the desert. Moses, declaring the law before they go in to possess the land. Jesus quotes Deuteronomy 6 twice as he does battle with the devil. And he significantly uses this to just simply rebut the devil and tell him to flee using the law. And Joshua crosses the Jordan into Israel to possess the promised land. Likewise, Jesus crosses the Jordan in order to inaugurate his kingdom. And us, in a similar way, we have our lines to cross. We have our journey, our going into the land to possess it, stepping out to bring God's kingdom with us. So in a sense, we are like a team or a bunch of well-trained individuals crossing the line to go onto the pitch. But as I've just described, that pitch has parameters. It isn't jumpers for goalposts. God has given us borders. He's created a safe space. He's put in corner flags. So we know where the parameters are. We have a beautiful game to play, but there are times where it's off and there's times when it's on. There's times where we step out of the field of play and there's, there's times where we are playing within the rules. And so I want to take a good analogy of a good manager for Yahweh. So I'm going to pick this next chap, Jurgen Klopp, because he is a Christian and he is leading the greatest football team of, of certainly current times, Liverpool FC. All right, and you're going to have to do a little bit of work with me here because Yahweh is way, way greater than Jurgen Klopp. I know he comes close, um, you will say... <laughs> Addy, but he, he's not that close. But bear with me. So, this is what um, we need to do. We need to know when we step over that line that we are going to win, that we have the victory, that he's already won the victory. And sports psychologists would say, if you step over that line and you don't, in your mind and in your heart and in your soul, truly believe that you've got the victory then you're one step away from defeat. You have to know it in your very being, that you own the victory that Jesus has won. And in order for us to play well, we need to remember when the battles come, when we're down to 10 men, when a goal goes in the other net, when we place a missed pass and we don't quite play as we were hoping to play, we need to remember. 
Again, sports psychologists talk about mental anchors, things that bring them back to that mindset that they started with. First of all, you need to remember what God is like. Second of all, you need to remember what he has said. That's exactly what Jesus was doing in the desert. And third of all, you need to remember what he has promised. He's promised that you are going to have victory, that you will establish his kingdom, that you are forgiven. And so we're going to carry out his instructions, we're going to play by the rules, and we're going to do a whole lot of other things. So let's have a look in detail what he says. And if you've got your Bible still open, you can check me up on this. I'm not going to go through word by word. Um, but this is, in essence, what he is saying. First of all, observe the law. Remember, the law is not a bad thing. The law brings us into an understanding of what real good living looks like. It brings order. It it. it brings in parameters that we can live safely within. And we are to keep it. And we are to teach them to our children. Now, I didn't, I didn't specially organise this sermon uh, for this service, but I couldn't think of a better match. Could you? Because what Victor and Yeye are saying is that we want to stand and we want to be recognised as a family that teaches this stuff to our kids and we as a church want to say we want to raise the next generation I don't care if there's a church that grows exponentially with uh, people coming just to, to sort of look on or whether we go in and do the most amazing social action if we're not a church that with the kids that we already have entrusted to us whether they're our own physical children or kids that we already have in our congregation that we've adopted, if we cannot bring them up in the Lord, then we're doing our first priority wrong. Yeah? That's our first priority. We've got to talk about these laws. We've got to do it home and away. When we are at home and when we are on our travels, when we wake up, and when we sit down, when we go out to work, and when we play. In all of our life, on the pitch, on the training ground, wherever. And I love that, um, that banner that you get with uh, lots of football clubs, but Liverpool is sticking with. So it's that, that phrase from the song, never walk alone, you'll never walk alone. You go to Hillsborough Stadium, you'll see it there. You go, um, you come out of the changing rooms at Liverpool, you'll see it above you. In fact, the players touch it as just like a touchstone, a reminder as they walk out. If you go through the gates, it's there in raw iron. Many Liverpool fans have it tattooed on their arm. Ade, have you got that tattooed on your arm? (laughs) Well, how how much more then that we actually, we actually engrave God's laws in different ways. For us to remember. When I was a student and I was learning uh, the Bible verses left, right and centre and I've not got the best memory, I'd print them out and I'd stick them by the mirror, I'd stick them on my room, the whole, you know, the, 
It, it didn't look that great, to be honest. But, you know, as you get more middle class, you can afford to buy a picture with a nice sort of verse underneath. Or you might just have a picture that triggers the memory of the verse. You might wear a wristband. WWJD, what would Jesus do? All of these are just triggers. Yeah? Um, the Jews had a way of doing it, and, and it stems from this, um, these verses. And most of them take it very literally, and we might think, oh, it's a little bit odd. They actually have the verses on, on pieces of leather that are strapped round um, from, from age 12 onwards. The boys at their bar mitzvah would be having them strapped around their arm. Or the law, or a segment of the law, would be in a little box, literally tied to their forehead, just from these verses. Now, we might look at that and think, well, that looks a bit odd, I wouldn't want that. But if it works, it'd be good to do, wouldn't it? I mean, when it says, engrave them on your doorposts, it wasn't like they were going to do a, a makeover every week or, 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 you know, refurbish the house regularly. It's there for all of time. The next generation, if they inherit the house, they will have it there. Well, why not us? We've got a house. What can we do around our house? It's just mental triggers. What can you do? What can you put in your office? You might have a picture of a loved one. What about a little picture of Jesus or a verse or maybe you get a verse a day or it might be a, a prophetic word over your life about what you're going to do in the workplace don't worry about somebody seeing it because that's usually the first opportunity you get to tell someone about your faith it's a good thing to do but it's it, this is not an evangelistic thing this is for you remembering for you because we are forgetful Okay, why don't you just talk to the person next to you, right? Where in your house, in your life, in your, uh, in your workplace, in your social space, on your phone, where is there a, a space where you can just easily set up a reminder of what God needs to do to, to, to anchor you back to him? Talk to the person next to you. Let's get some ideas going. Something that you can practically do.
Okay, 30 seconds left. Okay. Actually, I don't mind that you'll never walk alone. That's, that's actually quite a good one. You could adapt that anyway, couldn't you? I think you should get that tattooed, Daddy, because, you know, you, w you will never walk alone. The Lord is with you, my friend. So, next slide. Let's remember, if we do this, it will reap its rewards, benefits. I mean, look at that. That is Liverpool's trophy cabinet, all right? They've done all right, haven't they? And this is, this is our trophy cabinet. If we love the Lord our God and, and, uh, and, and do so, then our children and our grandchildren will fear the Lord. Now, that's great, isn't it? When you look down the generations, you know, my granddad is not, he's long gone, but he could look down the generations. And I hope I'll be able to look down the generations. You can enjoy long life. I think most people are lo looking for that. It will go well with you. That's, that's um, the same phrase that uh, comes with the uh, command to love your parents. Because they have the same desire for you. You might not like it, but it's for your good. And that you may increase greatly. Who doesn't want to increase greatly? physically, spiritually, generationally. So, let's remind ourselves, this is what the, um, Moses does to summarise the law. And it's actually very simple and it's very beautiful. And so this is a reminder that this is a beautiful game that we are to play, all right? Best exemplified by the Brazilian football team of 1970. The beautiful game. Played beautifully, not held back by rules, but out there in freedom to express themselves. We are to love our God. The Lord is one. He is one. And so we must play as one. As a good team does. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. I love this game. I love the manager sent us out here. We're going to play for him. With all your soul. Your soul is everything in your being. Everything that makes you you. And with all your strength. The word, the Hebrew word in here, um, we just don't, we can't do it justice with, with strength because we automatically think of physical strength. But you know what I'm saying, like a marathon runner absolutely going for the line, it's not just about strength, it's stamina, it's, it's every inch of your willpower. These commandments are to be on our hearts. And there's a difference, isn't there, between head and heart. And there's a difference between saying we're going to do it and actually do it. Next slide. There is a young 12-year-old boy um, with um, the um, oh, I'm going to phylactery around his head and the strap around his arm. 
But he, I, I, that expression just sort of just says, oh, I've messed up. I've not actually done what I said I was going to do. And yet, the kids at the bottom, they're indeed, they are doing the works. They are happy doing the works. Um, God has put the law in their hearts and in their minds. But let's just remember that we have Jesus. Jesus has come and allowed us by his spirit to have his law written on our hearts so that our sins and our lawless acts he will remember no more. The Holy Spirit testifies that he will put my laws in our hearts and he will write them on our minds. That is what Hebrews tells us. So let's remember that. Next slide. Do not forget the Lord. There's a whole heap in the verses 10 to 12 of things that we need to remember. And there's a reason that we need to remember. Because when life is good, when suddenly things work out, we immediately forget what got us there. Just like Manchester City. Last year, they were unbeatable. They had to keep going. They had to win, I don't know how many matches in a row, to get the title. Is that true, James? And they managed it, didn't they? But this season has, 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 has shown what their minds were really like because they forgot. As soon as they got that prize, they forgot that they had to keep going, that they had to keep digging deep. They rested on their laurels. How often do we go out of like our mountaintop experience and then the next day mess up? How often when things are good or when we get to our holidays do we actually neglect our time with the Lord? We need to remember, remember, remember. Remember that before we were picked for God's team, we were just lower league cannon fodder. But he's chosen us. Remember that. Remember that without his amazing academy programme, we wouldn't have much talent at all. Now, one thing that helps us remember is the fear of the Lord. And this is best exemplified by the hairdryer that is Sir Alex Ferguson. He was called the hairdryer because the players feared him. And if you dared to step out of line with him, like famously um, David Beckham did, you're out on your ear. Suddenly, it isn't such a glorious system. Now, our God is way more loving Alex Ferguson. But let's just be reminded that he did create the universe and that we are but dust. We should fear the Lord. It is a good thing to fear the Lord. He is a jealous God. Don't put him to the test. When it says they did that at um, Massa um, and Meribah, um, it was the, the time when the people of Israel were grumbling because there wasn't any water and they provoked God to anger. And they provoked Moses to anger too. And he watered them anyway. He actually brought the miracle of water from the rock. 
he's gracious, but let's not anger the Lord with our complaints. Because if we're complaining, we've forgotten that God has said, we've got the victory. He said, I love you. He said, you are going to prevail. So let's not forget what he's like. Keep his commands and do what is right and good. Next slide. Finally, this is, I'm going to leave you with this. The last few verses of this chapter suggest that a son or a child comes and says, what is the meaning of the law? And we're to answer them. Now, what is the meaning of the law? Well, I've summarised it for you. But the sense is that they want to know why we're living the life that we are living. And we need to tell them this, that the Lord has saved us. He has rescued us. He has done mighty works and signs and wonders. He has promised us a land of goodness. He has promised us a heavenly kingdom to come and he wants us to prosper and live so that it will be our righteousness now why have I put a picture of the uh, the young team that will be known as the kids was it of 96 you never win anything uh, with kids until this lot came along because they were all part of the Manchester United Academy and it was well known at the time that all the big clubs were buying in superstars. But Sir Alex Ferguson bought in kids and he trained them and he raised them up and they had a record greater than any other team in their generation because they were raised on this stuff from an early age. And they became one team because they're all pulling in one direction. That, I think, is a good analogy of what our church needs to be. So, some just final thoughts. There's a few things that have brought up there. I'm just going to leave those questions up for you. And just, I want you just, if one question just sticks out to you, I want you to take out your phone or your notebook or talk to the person next to you. One thing that you're going to do differently to help you remember and play better. I don't know what, folks, let's just spend a couple of minutes in quiet just thinking about those some of those questions, some of the things that Giles has said there, and um, reflect on that. So do that for a couple of minutes. <laughs> 